Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to gather together, to learn from your word, to get to worship you, Lord. We thank you for revealing your glory to us and giving your grace to us, Lord. We pray that uh, you would bless the sermon and that it would be useful and helpful and we would be equipped to, to live for you. We thank you for your grace and amen. All right, so today we're doing part eight of the series we're on, uh, on how to lead your heart. Today's sermon is called Overcoming the Strongholds of Wrong Thinking. So in this series, it's an attempt to be a foundationally comprehensive training course, is what I call it, on how to lead your heart. Um, And each sermon focuses on one habit. Today we're on habit four, one habit that you need in order to learn to manage your heart well. Um, The key verse for this series is Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And for the purposes of this series, we define the heart as, your heart is the part of you that has beliefs, desires, intentions, and emotions. So, um, you know, the first habit we looked at, habit number one that a person needs to learn to effectively lead their heart, is they have to have a habit of having an attitude of responsibility and intentionality about leading their heart. Uh, Habit number two, you have to learn to discern and judge what's in your heart, whether or not it's useful. Um, Habit number three we talked about, resisting bad desires and emotions. And this week we're still on habit four, uh, regularly, intentionally, and strategically seeking to renew your mind. Last week we talked about how um, all of your beliefs, desires, emotions, and intentions are all based on your thoughts, absolutely every single one of them. Um, If you don't believe me and you missed the sermon, please go back and listen to it on our website. And, uh, and if you still don't believe me, then we can talk about it sometime. But every single belief, desire, emotion, anything that you do or have in your heart is based on your thoughts. It's based on what you think. So the premise of today's message, um, ongoing heart struggles come from strongholds of wrong thinking, and we need to learn to tear them down. So the Bible talks about having strongholds of wrong thinking in 2 Corinthians, and we'll look at that in a second. And in this sermon, we're going to look exactly at what those strongholds are, how they get built, what they do, and how to fight against them. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 10 Uh, Verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Huh, that's interesting. We have mighty weapons to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? Well, I gather from the verse that comes after it that, you know, there are strongholds of 
wrong thinking, of lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God, of thoughts that are contrary to the knowledge of God and contrary to truth. The Bible teaches that you know, Christian growth and sanctification has a lot to do with our minds. We looked at it last week, and I want to look at a few of the verses again. Um, you know, mind renewal is the means of transformation. It's the means of not being confirmed to the patterns of this world. Let's look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect." Again, last week we looked at how, um, you know, mind renewal is our means of transformation. Be transformed by the renewal of your minds. We also looked at how, um, you know, knowing the truth is what sets us free from sin as Christians. And part of that is just knowing the truth of the gospel, knowing that Christ died for our sins and being set free by that. But part of it is knowing the truth of God's word that leads to right thinking. Let's look at John 8, uh, 31 through 34. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Notice the connection between knowing the truth and being set free. The truth doesn't just set you free in some arbitrary way where you don't have to know it. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So clearly, Jesus is talking about enslavement to sin, and knowing the truth sets us free from being enslaved to sin. So I want to just define what I mean by a stronghold of wrong thinking, um, I would say a stronghold of wrong thinking is a pattern of wrong thinking that has been built up brick by brick to the point where it's difficult to break out of and it's negatively impacting your life. Um, sometimes they negatively impact our behavior. It might negatively impact your desires. It might negatively impact your emotions. But it's, it's a stronghold of wrong thinking that's been built brick by brick over time to the point where it's difficult to break out of and it's negatively impacting your heart. It's negatively impacting your life. This is a big part of our fight as Christians. Uh, we all have struggles with this, with strongholds of wrong thinking. So 
So how do strongholds of wrong thinking get built? You know, why does Paul use the term stronghold? Why doesn't he just talk about the lofty opinions uh, that are contrary to the knowledge of God? Why does he use the term stronghold? Because sometimes we develop patterns of thinking that are so deeply ingrained that you, you don't just hear something once and break out of it. They're difficult to break out of. They're strongholds. Um, how do strongholds get built? Well, they get built brick by brick, uh, and there's two ways that that happens practically. Um, so, you know, they're built on arguments against the knowledge of God. A person might have a stronghold of wrong thinking, thinking, God couldn't love me. Um, usually, it's not just one idea that came up in their thinking that led to that. Usually, it's several ideas built up over time. Like, oh, I sinned really bad when I was five, and my parents didn't love me either, and my girlfriend dumped me, and I never actually read the Bible, and... Um, you know, it's usually several things. It's many different arguments is one way that strongholds get built brick by brick. Having low self-esteem can be a stronghold of wrong thinking. Usually people with low self-esteem don't just have one reason why they have low self-esteem. It's usually several. You know, my parents didn't express affection. I wasn't as skilled as other kids. People always made fun of me. You know, I got dumped. If just one of those was an idea that someone had, it probably wouldn't be a struggle, like an ongoing difficult struggle, with, to have low self-worth. But when you have all of them and they add up, that's when it becomes a struggle. That's how it becomes a stronghold. Another way that strongholds get built brick by brick is the same same argument, the same lie, the same piece of wrong thinking, but repeated over and over over time, or made stronger over time. A good example of that is addiction, like porn addiction. Every time someone gives in to temptation and watches porn, they add more experience to the pile of memories that they have telling them that it's worth it, that it's fun enough to be worth it. Most people who watch porn just once don't find it extremely hard to not watch again. That's how it works for any addiction. Most people who take a certain drug just once and that's it don't find it extremely hard to not take again. Strongholds of wrong thinking get built brick by brick over time. And sometimes it's just the same arguments made stronger by repetition. But strongholds of wrong thinking get built, you know, over time, either through many different arguments or through the same argument made strong. Does that make sense? And this is, it's helpful to be able to look at it this way because sometimes we have a struggle of something that's really difficult to break out of and we don't know why it's so difficult to break out of. This kind of helps, helps us understand that a little bit. Progress, um, they say, you know, what's, what's the saying? Um, progress gained inch by inch is not soon lost. 
It tends to work that way for negative progress too. When your enemies build a stronghold inch by inch, it tends to not get torn down immediately when it's been built up. So a lot of our thinking patterns that are really tough to break out of are strongholds. They've been built up over time. And there's actually several um, lies we believe going on in the background that are fueling that, that are driving that, that pattern of wrong thinking. So how can strongholds of wrong thinking cause problems? Um, you know, this is an outworking of what we talked about last week. Your thoughts determine everything in your life. All of your choices. Your thoughts determine everything in your heart. Your thoughts determine your desires, your emotions, your words, and your actions. So having a stronghold of wrong thinking, a stronghold of believing a lie, can lead to a lot of problems. All our struggles with sin come from believing lies. You can't have a desire to do something unless on some level you think that that thing is worth doing. You can't have a desire to sin without on some level thinking that that sin is worth it. And you have some sort of reason for thinking that that sin is worth it, whether you acknowledge that or not. I'm not saying it's a good reason, but you have some sort of reason. Obviously, whatever it is, it's not a good reason because sin isn't worth it. But you have some sort of reason whenever you have a desire to sin of why you think it's worth it. You might have multiple of them. And again, none of them are correct, but you need to acknowledge that you're holding them internally, whether you realize it or not. All your desires are determined by your thinking. All your emotions are determined by your thinking. Every choice you make is determined by your thinking. So strongholds of wrong thinking can cause real problems in real ways. One of the toughest strongholds of wrong thinking that I've had is I developed the idea that I wasn't a likable person and that there's no way people could like me. Thank you. <laughs> but that was built brick by brick over time. It didn't just happen overnight. I wasn't born thinking that no one would like me. No one is born thinking that because no one is born thinking anything. <laughs> Strong, you know, patterns of thinking are learned. You're not born thinking things, I think. Me and Jeremiah haven't had very many constructive conversations about what he thinks. Near as I can tell, he doesn't put things into words very well. He's gotten there, though. But anyways, you know, the, the stronghold of wrong thinking that I had, thinking I wasn't a likable person, was built up over time. It had to do with several events in my childhood and then moving 
uh, to another country and moving back and having no friends and moving back again and having no friends and going to this event and that event and hoping to make friends and never making friends and repetition, 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 repetition. It really makes a difference. That's how strongholds of wrong thinking get built. And they can be very hard to tear down. And you know, that affected me a lot because believing lies has consequences. Because I thought very firmly that I wasn't a likable person, um, I had a hard time making conversation because I thought I wouldn't have anything interesting to say. Um, I had a lot of rejection and depression. I was very depressed. And I had a lot of anxiety because I had an unreasonable level of fear of what others thought of me. But that came from a stronghold of wrong thinking that was built up brick by brick over time and was, you know, very hard to change my thinking on. It was so hard that even making friends didn't change it. Like, that helped, but even after I made friends, I still thought, oh, um, I'm not a really likable person. I need, like, daily proof just to manage to kind of hope that I am. I had to tear down the strongholds of wrong thinking by realizing what my underlying thoughts were and conquering them. Anyways, so how do, how do we tear down strongholds of wrong thinking? They get turned at, torn down with truth. You can't change wrong thinking without truth. You can't fix believing a lie without truth. These strongholds were built on lies you've believed or misunderstandings that you've had, and the only way to fix them is with truth. Not only that, but they usually have to be torn down brick by brick, because they've been built up brick by brick. If you have a stronghold of wrong thinking, a certain, you know, lie that you believe about yourself or about God, and there's ten different lies behind it that you've believed, ten different arguments you've believed that, you know, aren't true, just correcting one or two of those usually won't be enough to tear down the stronghold. You're probably still going to struggle with that difficult pattern of wrong thinking. If you have a pattern of wrong thinking that's based on 10 or a dozen different lies you've believed, correcting one or two of them usually won't be enough to fix it. So strongholds are built brick by brick, and they often need torn down brick by brick. So let's talk about how to do that in practice. I've got um, five things that um, I would recommend you do if you have a, an ongoing pattern of wrong thinking that you struggle with. And if you have any ongoing heart problems, you almost certainly have a stronghold of wrong thinking. If you have an ongoing heart problem in a given area that's just an ongoing struggle that's not going away, you almost certainly have a stronghold of wrong thinking. But anyways, number one, you've got to know the stronghold that you're aiming for. 
You have to know the problem you're aiming to fix. The ongoing problem, whatever it is, you have to be able to identify it. Um, you got to start somewhere, and you have to know what you're aiming for. You have to know what the stronghold is. It could be a, a struggle with a behavior you keep doing that you wish you didn't do. It could be a, a struggle with a desire that keeps occurring that you wish you didn't have. It could be a struggle with an emotion that's out of control or out of touch with reality. Um, but you have to know what it is. You have to pick one. You have to aim to tear it down. So number one, you have to know the stronghold that you're aiming for. Number two, you have to find out what your underlying thoughts are. And there can be multiple um, underlying thoughts that are fueling a pattern of wrong thinking, a stronghold of wrong thinking. But let's talk about how to do that, how to find out what your underlying thoughts are. So the main thing that I do when I want to find out what my underlying thoughts in a given area are is I, um, I use questions. I question myself and I get a, a keyboard I can type on or a pen and paper and I, I write stuff down. Questions can help us figure out what we really think, what we really feel, and what we really desire. We talked about this a bit in Habit 2 in the sermon, um, Judging the Thoughts and Desires of Your Heart. But um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about or review what we talked about in that sermon and then build upon it. So in... The second sermon of this series, we talked about how to kind of identify um, what you're really feeling if you don't know, or what you really desire if you don't know, if you're not aware. Uh, one of the things I mentioned, you can sit down with a writing tool and ask yourself, like if you're struggling with anger and you don't know why, you can ask yourself, what am I really mad about? Then think of answers to that question and compare them. You write them down and compare them. Usually one will stick out more than the others. It'll kind of resonate in your feelings more because it's what you're actually mad about. You know, if you come up with, if you're not sure why you're mad about something and you come up with a list of reasons that are possible reasons of why you could be mad about it and one of them makes you mad and the others don't, that's probably it. You can do that with desires. If you feel disappointed about something and you're not sure what you're really disappointed about, uh, you can ask yourself, what did I really desire to get out of this situation that I'm disappointed about not getting? Then write down a list of things that you think it might be, and if one of them causes you to feel disappointed when you think about it, that's probably it. or at least part of it. So if you have a specific um, stronghold of wrong thinking that you're aiming to figure out what your underlying thoughts are, you can ask yourself, why do I do this thing? Or why do I desire this thing? Or why do I feel this way? And think of some options of why you might, write them down, compare them, and see if one sticks out. That's a good way to figure out your why, your underlying thinking. 
But after you find out why, you might have to ask why again. I'll give an example. Um, You know, a lot of us struggle with fear of sharing the gospel. That's weird. Why would you be afraid of doing one of the most important things you could ever do? But we struggle with it. It's real. So let's use that as an example. I could ask, why am I afraid of sharing the gospel? Why am I afraid of what others will think of me when I'm trying to evangelize? And then I think about it, and then I come to the answer, because they, they might dislike me if I share the gospel with them. I would follow that up with another why. Why is that important? Like, it's good that you've come to that conclusion, that that's why you're afraid of sharing the gospel, but that's not a root cause. That's not something worth caring about that much. So ask another why. Why do I care so much whether or not these people dislike me? And then maybe after that, you find the why to that. Because, you know, if they disliked me, I'd feel like I have less worth as a person. And when you get to that, that's something you can attack. That's a lie you believe. If you share the gospel with someone and they're ticked off with you about it and you feel like you have less worth as a person, that is a lie. That's a lie that you believe. So you've uncovered the lie. You've uncovered the pattern of wrong thinking. But sometimes you have to ask why and ask why and ask why to really get to the root of something in your heart. Yeah. Because our hearts are complicated. And usually our strongholds of wrong thinking are complicated. Our struggles with desires we shouldn't have and fears we shouldn't have are complicated. But by God's grace, we can discover what our underlying thoughts are and what's causing those struggles. But we'll need to work at it. And I I would recommend this method of asking questions and writing stuff down. Especially if you're going to have to ask why and then why and then why, writing it down helps you keep track of um, the process. It helps you keep track of how you got here from where you started. Trying to hold more than three levels of why in your head without writing them down is almost impossible. It's almost impossible. But usually you'll have to go deeper than just one question, just one reason why. But writing is very helpful. And I would like to add, be sure to use prayer when you're doing this. So this is a practice worth having. If you have a desire... A struggle with a desire you don't want to have or an action that you don't want to do or a feeling you don't want to have, you should figure out your underlying thinking. You should want to know why you do those things or why you feel that way or why you desire that. Um, so it's, it's a process worth going through, but we should, we should use prayer. I'm going to get to that later. You should use prayer on everything. Um, And we talked about in Sermon 2 of this series, you know, God knows your heart perfectly. God knows your why. God knows all of your whys and all the whys behind them. And he's capable of revealing that to you. He's inclined to reveal that to you. But he wants you to seek him. God is inclined. He desires to empower you and to equip you. But he wants you to rely on him intentionally. 
So use prayer. All right. So number one, you have to know the stronghold you're aiming for. Number two, you got to find out what your underlying thoughts are. Number three, find good counterarguments. So strongholds of wrong thinking are based on lies you believe. So once you find out what those lies are and what the, the ideas behind the lie is, you should come up with counterarguments. You know, it says in our key verse for this sermon in Corinthians, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. How do you destroy arguments? You typically use other arguments. So once you've found your underlying thoughts, you have to find good counterarguments. You might need multiple counterarguments. Even if you don't, it would be good to have multiple counterarguments. I've talked before about how I love lists. Lists are great. Um, having a list of arguments is a beautiful thing because lists have synergetic power. <laughs> um, you know, because that's how the strongholds of wrong thinking are built. If you just had one idea that led to the lie you believed and it was just one, it'd probably be easy to change. But you probably have a dozen or a few dozen ideas that lead to this lie that you have a hard time not believing. And that's why it's hard to not believe. So come up with multiple counterarguments. Um, I... Just some tips on that. You know, start with the scriptures. When you're looking for counterarguments um, for the lies you believe and your underlying thoughts, I can only give a few general tips because they're all going to be very different. But uh, start with the scriptures. Jesus used scripture to fight temptation. The scriptures are where we get our knowledge of God and we're fighting arguments that are raised against the knowledge of God. So you should start with the scriptures. Um, you should also, you know, think through it logically and ask yourself, what would it take to defeat this argument? Going back to the example on evangelism, if your main underlying root thought is, I think that if other people disliked me, it would be a sign that I don't have much worth, ask yourself, what would it take for me to stop believing that? What would it take to prove that that's not true? But start with the scriptures and also use just logical, thought-out arguments. All right. Uh, principle or step number four. Repeat your counter-arguments and digest them. By digest them, I mean build them into your thinking. And that happens by repetition. Repetition makes such a huge difference in our thinking. A huge difference. So, um, you know, desires and emotions are intuitive thoughts. They're thoughts you think without thinking about it, so to speak. But intuitive thoughts are almost always based on patterns, based on repetition. So I can drive a car without thinking about it. I don't know if that's good for other people or bad for other people, but I can drive my car without thinking about it. And I think it's good for me, but um, 
How can I drive my car without thinking about it? It's because I've done it dozens and dozens and hundreds of times. I put the gear up. I don't even have to think about where it's going. I step on the pedal. I turn the wheel. And then I can drive without thinking about it because of repetition. That's how language works. That's how accents work. When I say things a certain way, uh, it's because I've always said them that way. And I don't think about how am I going to move my lips when I say this word this time. I just do it because it's, it's a pattern of thinking. And patterns of thinking are almost always developed by repetition. So not only coming up with counterarguments, but repeating them and repeating them until you can digest them, until you can build them in as part of your thinking, until it's not just a thought that's in your head, but it's actually a new pattern of thinking. And that takes repetition. The counterarguments, the correct knowledge of God, needs to not just be a thought, it needs to be a new pattern of thinking. And repetition is one of the best things you can do to establish that. So one of the things I do um, when I'm trying to change a pattern of thinking or establish a new pattern of thinking, I've got a list of like counter-arguments against the pattern of thinking I'm trying to change. I, I take my counter-arguments, I get them concise, something short and to the point. I get them all in one place, something I can access quickly, like on my phone, and I go over them. And I need to be doing better at this, but I used to go over them and say them out loud. Saying them out loud makes a real difference. I would get like a title for each one that's one sentence or less, a short sentence, and then have the idea. And I would, you know, read the title, read the idea, and then I'd repeat the title of it over and over and over while thinking about the idea. So one pattern of wrong thinking I've tried to correct just before Jeremiah was born um, is the idea that men shouldn't express emotion. It's kind of something I got taught to believe. And sometimes I, would, I noticed one day during worship, I was worshiping by myself, and I suddenly got scared of Teresa opening the door and seeing me enjoying worship. And I'm like, that's weird and stupid and annoying. I wish I didn't feel that. It seems illogical. Why do I feel that? Why do I think that? And so I, I did some thinking, I did you know, my writing process, and I, I made a list of counter-arguments, and I would read them. And the first one I wrote is men who, ex it doesn't make you weak to express emotion. And I would read it and say it out loud. It doesn't make you weak to express emotion. It doesn't make you weak to express emotion. In fact, people who are too afraid of other people's opinions to express emotion are weak. And I would say that out loud over and over and over and over. And, you know, with the other counter-arguments I had as well. And it's made a big difference. I'm not afraid of expressing affection to Jeremiah, which my dad was somewhat afraid of expressing affection with me. So go over them and say them out loud multiple times. That has real power. That makes a big difference. There's real power in saying something out loud. And if you do this process daily, 
it can really make a tangible difference in changing your patterns of thinking. Like a real difference. So I would recommend doing this daily, um, you know, for a few weeks. And then evaluate your progress. You know, maybe look to see if you need to change your counter-arguments a bit. But do this for weeks and see how much of a difference it makes. And then evaluate. And it might seem like it takes a lot of time and effort, and it does. But if you want to win the, the war in your mind, you're going to have to be militant about it. The war in your mind is a war. We fight with weapons. We tear down strongholds. It's spiritual warfare. There is a war in your mind. If you want to win wars, you have to be militant. You're not going to passively tear down a stronghold of wrong thinking. The fifth step, fifth thing you should be doing if you have a stronghold of wrong thinking you want to tear down. Rely on God's empowerment through prayer. So I've talked about how, you know, sanctification, all Christian growth is caused by supernaturally empowered effort. All Christian growth is caused by supernaturally empowered effort. You can have all the supernatural empowerment you want, but if you don't use it, it will do you no good. And you use it with effort. Growth doesn't happen without effort. It also doesn't happen without supernatural empowerment. It takes supernaturally empowered effort. Any major effort you undertake in life should be intentionally backed by prayer. God made reliance on him part of life on purpose. God wanted, when God was designing human life, so to speak, God intentionally made reliance on him a necessary part of it. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 17, no, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. God intentionally made reliance on him a necessary part of human life. Paul says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations uh, that Paul's given, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with God about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest on me, may be displayed in me, may be made visible through me. For the sake of Christ, I'm content with weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities, because when I'm weak, I'm strong. The reason that is, is because you can't show God's power without human weakness. God's power is seen in how it overcomes human weakness. Therefore, human weakness existing is somewhat necessary to show God's power. God purposefully allows us and ordains that we'll have weaknesses so that his power can be seen. 
And that's part of life. And prayer is one of the main ways we seek to rely on God in a practical, real way. Any major effort you undertake in life should be intentionally backed by prayer. And tearing down strongholds of wrong thinking is going to be a major effort. It's not going to be a minor effort or a passive effort. So rely on God's empowerment through prayer. So in conclusion, you have homework. Um, Yay, homework. (laughs) So what is your homework? This is it. Just think about what strongholds of wrong thinking you might struggle with. Spend some time this week thinking about whether or not you have any strongholds of wrong thinking. And again, if you have struggles, ongoing struggles with behaviors you don't want to have, with desires you don't want to have, or with emotions that you don't want to have or that are out of touch with reality, then you do have strongholds of wrong thinking. So think about what strongholds of wrong thinking you might have and try to figure out what your underlying thoughts are. At least try to spend 15 minutes or half an hour on it. Uh, But that is all that I have. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to learn from your word, to learn that... um, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, um, but it's a spiritual struggle, and that we have divine power to destroy strongholds, Lord. Thank you for that divine power. Thank you that your power is perfected in weakness, Lord. Thank you for overcoming our weaknesses and making good of them, Lord. Uh, We pray that you would help us to rely on you and to fight diligently against our strongholds of wrong thinking. We pray that you would bless us to overcome them. We thank you for your grace and amen.